Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. All right, all right. Good morning, Grace. <clears throat> Just couldn't help but think as we were singing, you know, all my life he's been faithful. I can say that. Can you say that? All my life he's been faithful. And if he was, there's another song I've been listening to recently. If he's been faithful then, you are faithful then, God, and you'll be faithful now. See, sometimes we forget that. We can point to the goodness of God way back when. We can point to the faithfulness of God back yesterday and the day before and the year before this. But God who was faithful then is faithful right now. Amen? Amen. Um, we gotta, we're going to dive into God's Word in just a minute here. Before we do that, uh, I just want to uh, make a, a brief announcement about Grace Kids, our kids' ministry. Little little anticipation there, right? Especially from us parents, what's what's going on there? Well, we've been we've been there's been conversation and prayer happening in the background. We want to have been excited to restart our kids ministry. Just been praying and and, and talking about uh, how to do that safely and wisely and well. And believe, we believe the time is soon, very soon. So just within the next few weeks here, uh, Grace Kids, our, our kids ministry is going to start up. There's going to be a couple things that are different. It's going to start up at the 9 a.m. Uh, services only. 9 a.m. only, and there's probably going to be some class size restrictions and some registration. There's going to be more details on all that, all that coming out to you. So as parents, just stay tuned. Um, you can, if, if you're not on the email list or you're afraid you're going to miss those, go check out at our Grace Kids desk today. They'll make sure you're on there. But why am I bringing this up today if it's not starting today? Because we need you now before it starts. We need you now before it starts, because just like not everybody in our body feels safely uh, coming back in right now, not of all, all of our volunteers have returned right now, it takes a lot, of, a lot of volunteers, a lot of help to love those kids well over there and minister to them, even during just one service each week. So we need you, yes, you, yes, you, because you're part of, part of the family of grace, and this is a family matter, and we take care of our own, right? So there's some kids that are going to be meeting back within the next few weeks that need loved on and ministered to with the heart of Jesus, and that means we need you. So uh, right after service, I ask that you would go out to the tables right over in the Grace Kids area and sign up. Just volunteer to serve one week a month, just one week a month. Helps gives the other volunteers a, a chance to come in here and worship together, and it helps uh, provide our kids with someone else to, to love them well. So uh, be sure you do that this morning. Um, and then we uh, are continuing. Oh, no, I do have one more announcement. Um, our midweek prayer gatherings have started up. This past Wednesday was our first midweek prayer gathering. How many were in attendance there? Yeah, and they were excited about it, too. Look at that. Whoever heard of anybody being excited about a prayer meeting? It happens. It happens. That's what prayer is supposed to be. (laughs) Supposed to be something that we enter into with expectation and excitement. So I want to invite you out to this Wednesday, this week's uh, prayer gathering where our our focus, it's going to be seven o'clock here, right here in the worship center. Our focus is going to be from division to unity, from division to unity. There's a lot of division out there right now, right? There's a lot of division in our world right now, politically, religiously, ideology, Wise, 
So much division. Our God is a God that would bring us to unity, his people to unity, this world to unity. We're called to be ministers of reconciliation, to bring unity and the, the aroma of Christ where we go. So that's our focus, from division to unity. Um, join us uh, 7 o'clock this coming Wednesday. So this is uh, something we entered into because... Uh, it, it was the time. It's something we prayed about for a long time, having a weekly ongoing prayer gathering here. And this was the time God was calling us to to start doing that. And, and so if you were with us last week, Pastor Jeff uh, introduced us to our series, the uh, When God's People Pray. And uh, he, he introduced this idea of the lost art of corporate prayer. We think of prayer so much as an individual experience, and there's so much training and knowledge to be gained and things to read about the individual experience of prayer, and yet you read all over Scripture, Pastor Jeff laid out for us, all over Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, God's people got together again and again and again and again to what? To pray. To pray. There's something that we've lost. Because if I look back at my life, I, I can't say that I my life has been defined by gathering together with God's people in prayer. Praise God there's been some of that. But God offers us more this morning on that. So uh, this is challenging because we're not used to this. So if you, if you missed Pastor Jeff's message, I'd encourage you to go online and watch it. He, he walked us through the purpose. Why do we gather together in corporate prayer? And all the purposes, some of the purposes around it, that it displays God's glory, that it teaches us, that it provides room for confession and healing. And so, uh, you know, one of the things he, he talked about there was, uh, if, if, you remember he showed us the videos, right, of the, the symphony. And, and he showed us the video of the professional symphony, but the symphony first was the, was the kids' symphony, right, if you can call it that. And, uh, and every, everybody gathering together and playing their instruments to a different rhythm and a different tune. And it was all, all it was, it was just noise. But I love the truths that he shared around that. Uh, a concert like that, who's going to go to a concert like that? He said parents, right? Parents and grandparents, because they love their kids. Do you know we have a father who loves us, even though we're inexperienced in prayer and we feel like we can't do this right, and when we get together it's awkward or boring or difficult? Like, like God loves to hear it. He shows up and hears. So that's the first point he made, that was that we have a father who loves us. And then he played us that professional orchestra. And here's the other point he brought to us, that those kids who gave nothing but noise and offered up nothing but noise, one day they could grow into those professionals. They could grow into that. And that was a, a captivating thought for me. But, you know, so I, the question in my mind was how? How, how do we grow from the kids who just are making noise to the professionals who are offering up a symphony? Right, and so I was going to call this message Growing in Corporate Prayer. And then I reconsidered, because growing, you know, growing just happens. I thought of my grass. If you drive by my house, my grass grows. It grows really well. It grows, it gets tall. Do you know what I have to do to grow that grass? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> growing just happens. But some of you all, not me, but some of you all, you cultivate your grass. You don't just grow it, but you, you move with intentionality around your grass. And it's all green. It's all the same color green. And there's no clover. And there's no weeds. And there's those crisscross lines of different shades. I still don't know how you do that. You cultivate. You don't just grow. 
And parents can, you know, if, if we think about this, this isn't just about gardening. This is about our kids, right? People tell us, your kid, oh, your kids are getting so big. They're growing up. Listen, that just happens. I don't do anything. I don't feed them anything special. They just grow. They're just going to get older. Here's the question, though. Are they maturing? That's the difference, right? That's a good question for us in our spiritual lives. It's a good question when we come to corporate prayer and every aspect of our spiritual lives. Are we getting older or are we maturing? Are we growing up or are we just doing this one more day? I want to grow up, so I'm going to pray. Here was our definition of corporate prayer. Uh, let's revisit this and then I'll pray. Corporate prayer is, this is from John Piper, corporate praying is praying or prayers offered to God in the hearing of other believers who agree with and affirm the prayers. So for corporate prayer to take place, this is what happens. So uh, let me give you an example. I'm about to pray in the hearing of other believers. Well, good. We're halfway there. <laughs> we're halfway towards corporate prayer. But for this moment coming up to be corporate prayer, something else has to happen. You believers who are in my midst agree with and affirm my prayers. It doesn't mean you have to vocalize, but in spirit, you agree with and affirm my prayers. I can't control that. I say that as somebody who comes week after week, and I'm one of the pastors here, and there's some mornings I just sit there and listen to a prayer. But there's some mornings I help make it corporate prayer. I agree with and affirm those prayers. So we're tempted to just sit back and listen. Lean forward with me in spirit. (laughs) Let's lean in and cultivate corporate prayer in this moment. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you, all of us, and lift our hearts and minds to you. God, I thank you that you are, I thank you for the reminders even this morning that your word is living and active. This word that we are opening up are not not just words on a page from thousands of years ago. They're your words, which are living and active even now. And as you've been faithful to believers in the past to speak through your word, you will be faithful now to speak through your word. So, Lord, we offer ourselves up to hear from you. God, we ask this word to make an impact on us. If there is any barrier in our hearts right now, we lay it down before you, God. We ask for break, uh, a breakdown of any walls in our hearts that would come between us and hearing what you long to speak to us today so that you might grow us up, Jesus. <laughs> we don't want just to spend another day with you. We don't want to just get another day older with you, Lord. We want to grow up. Lord, mature us in you this morning, and we will praise you for it. In your holy and precious name, and all God's children said, amen. 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 So, so I thought, as, as we think about those orchestra kids, how do they grow into those professionals? How do they get better? Well, one thing they do is practice, right? Practice, 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 practice. So that's one thing we got to do. Come out this Wednesday and practice with us. <laughs> You know what something else they do? Something else they can do is they can watch the professionals. They can tune into concerts. And they can tune into those professionals and say, what, how do they do this? What's their focus? What's going on for them? Where are they putting it? They can look at a symphony, right? And learn from it. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at a symphony passage. It's Acts chapter 4. This is a symphony of corporate prayer that we're going to see. 
And we're going to look at this passage. Where's their focus? How do they play? What can we learn from this symphony this morning? It's in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. And it starts like this. On their release, Peter and John, let me back up and tell you where we're at. So Peter and John, right before this, a day or two before this, they were on their way to the temple to pray. And they encountered this lame man just laying on the ground, and he was, he was begging for money. And Peter, prompted by the Holy Spirit, he stops. And he looks at the man, he says, look at me. And the man looks and thinks he's going to get some money. And Peter says to him, I don't have gold to offer you, I don't have silver. But what I have I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And he did. He did, and people are floored, people are astounded, and people start gathering and witnessing this miracle, and they're praising God for this. And you know what Peter sees? He sees a preaching opportunity. (laughs) Oh, I get to talk about Jesus' name a little bit more, so I'm going to do it. And so he preaches right there in the temple courts, and the Sadducees hear him. And the Sadducees, they get the guards, and they arrest Peter and John for talking about Jesus and for talking about his resurrection. And so they're arrested. They spend the night in, in, in prison, and they come out, and, and the, the, the priests and the Sadducees meet with them, and they don't know what to do with Peter and John. They say they're, they're speaking the name of Jesus, and they're preaching in this name, but, and they don't want them to. They think it's wrong, but they can't stop them because all the people are praising God because of this miracle. So we can't, we can't beat them. We can't punish them right now. So here's what we're going to do. Just they, they tell Peter and John, stop teaching in the name of Jesus. Stop preaching in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Peter says, you think? <laughs> the name? You mean the name of Jesus in which this lame man was healed? Do you mean that name? You are asking me to stop preaching that name? Not going to happen. Should I listen to God or should I listen to you? And the, the, the priests and the Sadducees, they can't do anything else, so they just threaten them a bunch more. If you do... <laughs> Watch out, and they let him go. And so that's where we are in the story. On their release, Peter and John went back to their people, to their own people, and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, that's everybody, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So here's corporate prayer. It's going to happen. Now here's the thing. The prayer that they uh, voice right here that we hear about is about a minute long. The impression I get from this passage is they prayed for far more than a minute. Corporate prayer, they were probably all all raising their voices together, maybe all in unison at once, maybe not saying all these exact words in the same moment. I wonder if this was the prayer focus that came out of that evening as they were all together in one voice, in one spirit. This was the symphony that came out. So it doesn't mean they all said the same words. They all brought the Spirit of God working through them and speaking truth through them. And it, it, it's, you could summarize that symphony like this. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats 
and this is amazing. I mentioned this the other night when we got together. But in this passage, they could say, just end the threats, just change the circumstances, get just get rid of these difficult circumstances. And they don't. They don't say change the circumstances. They say, give us boldness. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Do you hear that? Instantaneous answer to their prayer. They prayed for God to speak through them boldly, and they did. Instant answer to their prayer. But then there's more. All the believers were in one heart, one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, and they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So if you look at this group, before we get to the prayer, we're going to look at the prayer, but before we get to the prayer, I want, I want you to look at the people. Because if you look back before this in Acts and back to the Gospels and who these guys were, not the, just the disciples, but all the people around them who gathered around Jesus, they didn't look like this. Something's changed. See, something's changed since Jesus has called all these people. They didn't just keep hanging out and getting to know each other better. See, God cultivated something in them, and it's something I'm going to call tribe. This wasn't just a bunch of individuals getting together any longer. God had grown them into a tribe. You see it all over this passage. They lifted their voices together in prayer. But that's, that's just the start. It, it says that they were one in heart and mind, that they shared everything they had. You know, my favorite one is one I skipped over a bunch of times when I read this passage. The first, the first line I read to you, on their release, Peter and John, what did they do? They went to their own people. <laughs> now, now think about this. They had just been threatened uh, for sharing their faith for witnessing for Jesus Christ. This is what Christ told them would happen. So imagine there, this mixture of excitement and joy and, and trembling and fear as, oh, it's really going down now. This is Peter and John. This is what's going to happen. And they just got released from prison. Who, what are they going to do? Well, and we think this is Peter and John. I mean, man, they're rock stars. They're going to go out there and get preaching again. No, they go to their own people. They're going to go out and pray on their own. Just Peter and John. No, they go to their own people. See, this is the way of the kingdom of God. There's a tribe. There's a tribe. We don't have to do this on our own. See, we think Peter and John and we think rock stars. But God's kingdom says orchestra. We think Peter and John, they're, they're Jesus MVPs, right? Nobody can match up to them. The world says MVPs. God's kingdom says team. We don't do this on our own. See, the world says me. God's kingdom is we, right? There's a tribe that we are part of. Do you know it? 
Do you know that you are part of a tribe? This is what Peter says later on in, in one of his letters to the church. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may, may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, we treat our faith as so individual. And we think to, to, to grow in my faith, well, I've got, to, I've got to read the word of God by myself, and I've got to grow in that, and I've got to pray by myself, and I've got to grow in that. And there's good and right things about this, because our faith is personal. That's where it starts. Do you know most of what we call spiritual disciplines, I can do on my own. But if that's where our faith stops, we're missing all that God has for our faith. We're missing, actually, the fullness of the gospel. Do you know that? Jesus came because there was a separation, a separation called sin between God and us. And he came to restore us, to redeem us, to buy us back and bridge that separation. Praise God. But that wasn't the only separation. Sin didn't just cause a a separate, a vertical separation. It caused a horizontal. See, the problem of sin is holistic. The problem of sin didn't just separate us from God. It separated us from each other. But do you know the gospel is also holistic? It reconciles us, not just to God, but to each other. And so our faith is personal, yes, but it's not private. It doesn't stop at the personal, because we are a people. What, what's the common link between all the words that Peter uses here to describe a follower of Jesus Christ? A race, a priesthood, a nation, a people. You know the common thing? I can't be that on my own. I could study the Bible as much as I want. I could pray as much as I want on my own. I can never be a race or a priesthood or a nation or a people on my own because God has created for us a tribe. See, I've been thinking about this recently because there's there's times in my life I've said, well, I've got to find my tribe. I've got to go find my tribe. I don't know. I'm just not feeling. That's why people church shop sometimes, Right? So, and, and I know there's, there's, there's reasons for that. There's good reasons for that. You need, to, you need to go and find a church that is preaching the word of God. You need to find a, a, a people that are allowing that word to inform and, and, and change their very lives and experience that transformation together. So there's reasons to move churches. And yet, yet some of us, and it's sometimes in my own life, what I've seen is, well, this church, is, uh, you know, I just don't have anything in common with these people. <laughs> I mean, uh, this church is all old people. Or this church is, well, they're all younger people, and now I'm getting up there. There's nobody in my season of raising. There, there's so many reasons, and, and I'm just not, uh, I just don't have much in common with them. But you see, God gives us a tribe. And so sometimes we need to stop looking for a tribe, and we need to start cultivating the tribe that God has given us right here. And sometimes the problem is that, isn't that we need a new tribe. We just need to actually grow into the tribe that he's put right around us. You see, God loves giving a tribe. So how, how do we do that? I'm going to share a phrase with you that God spoke into my life years ago, but it's been something that I've struggled with again and again, so he continues to use it to speak to me. It's this, show up and share fully. Show up and share fully. If I could give you any word on how to cultivate the tribe that God has given you, it's to show up and to share fully. Because sometimes we don't show up. 
man, it's just, it's weird and it's awkward and some people are socially awkward and they're just not like me. Do you know, look at the disciples. Do you know what they had in common when Jesus called them? Nothing. They were fishermen and tax collectors. They were government officials and government rebels. They, they were, as the, as the circle expanded, there were prostitutes and Pharisees. There were religious, rich and there were poor. There were the haves and the haves-nots. There was the in-crowd and the out-crowd. There was everybody. They had nothing in common. They have absolutely nothing in common except one, the guy who called them. That Jesus said, follow me. And they said, Yes. And so sometimes we show up to a, a gathering of God's people, maybe even here on a Sunday morning or some other ministry gathering in this church or another church, and we say, man, I just don't have anything in common with those people. You know what? You have the one thing in common with a brother or sister in Christ. The only thing you need that Jesus said to both of you, Jesus said to you and me, we might not have anything else in common, but Jesus said to you and me, follow me. And you know what? We both said yes. And that's the only groundwork God needs to start cultivating a tribe. So we need to keep showing up. And that's what we see the disciples do. Even after Jesus ascends into heaven, you know what they do? They keep showing up. They don't just say, well, Jesus isn't physically here with us right now. We don't have anything more in common. No, they just, they keep showing up because now they have in common the only thing that matters. And that's how they grew into this community, this tribe that God had them into and share fully. That's something else we see here. In this particular case, look at, look at this. No one claimed that, their, uh, that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the, the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And isn't that beautiful? It's just an amazing picture. But sometimes we don't think about what it took to get to that picture. It wasn't just that that community had people in need and people who didn't have physical needs like that. It wasn't just that that community had rich and poor. You know what that community had to do? They, they each one had to show up and they had to admit it. They had to show up into community. The, 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 the people in need who had physical needs, they needed to show up and say, you know what? I'm in need right now. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? It's hard to show up and admit we have physical needs or spiritual needs or money needs or emotional needs. But sometimes we show up to our community that God has given us, show up to our tribe, and we wonder why it's taken, not taken off, but it's because we show up and we put on a mask every time. Not a COVID mask. <laughs> Just, maybe that, to respect them if they, if they want that. If your tribe wants that, you know, like, yeah, wear that. But, but we show up and we put on a mask that everything's okay. That's all okay. No, I'm good. You need anything? That it, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't have any needs whatsoever. But God has put in your tribe. Do you know God has put in your tribe people to meet your needs? That's how he met the needs of these people, these physical needs. He met them through God's other people. Do you know the need you are experiencing right now spiritually, emotionally, before God? God has put people in our tribe to meet that need. Are you sharing fully that you have a need? Are you sharing fully that God has met your needs in the past. And so you, you can encourage the body. You can encourage others. You can lift others up and meet others' needs in this community. See, are we showing up or sh and sharing fully? 
Because it's hard to share fully because, let's, let's face it, uh, we get into community and it's messy. E- even among God's people, it's messy, right? We show up. That's one of the things that, that keeps us from sharing fully is we, it just feels awkward. And it feels weird. And, and, and I, I might just, people might look at me strange. I might be all of a sudden the outsider. And it, and it doesn't feel safe all the time. And we end up, uh, author, um, I forget his name, some author. <laughs> he talks of Jared Wilson, author Jared Wilson. He talks, he, sa- he says that some of us treat Christian community the way I used to treat dancing. The way I used to treat dancing. See, I used to hate dancing, <laughs> I, especially big dances. I used to show up to dances and, uh, you know, those people out in the middle, they look like they're having fun. They look like they're laughing and smiling and wouldn't be, yeah, I, I could probably do that, but I'd, I'd prefer to just hang back here. I, I, I'm good just hanging out back here against the wall, bopping my head to the music. See, because then I can then I can look like I belong, but but I don't really have to participate, right? Because if I step out on that dance floor, I might look like an idiot. Then I might step out on that dance floor and find out that I'm the weird one and the socially awkward one and the messy one. And so I didn't for a long time. I didn't, and some, you know, sometimes that's how we treat church. You know what? Like, I'm just going to hang back. I'm just going to show up Sunday morning. And, you know, there's, there's reasons for not getting together with people otherwise. You know, there's COVID and all sorts of other stuff. But I show up Sunday morning, and I'm just popping my... And, and listen, I, I, I don't want to... I'm not trying to make you feel bad. If that's where you're at right now, and you just need to just gently enter in... But maybe you have church hurt in the past, and you just need to walk in here, and that's all you need to do for a little while is just... Like, just show up and receive. That's okay. That's right. Just bop your head. Just keep it. We're glad you're here. And if that's all you keep doing, year after year after year, can I say God has more? God has more. And it's, it's risky to get out on that dance floor, but just get out and, and, and dance. You know, and so that's what God did for a, a guy who hated dancing. He gave him a wife and kids who love dancing, right? <laughs> And, and now I show up at a wedding reception. We're going to have those eventually again, right? Uh, a wedding reception or a, a Valentine's dance for the family. And now I'm out there for better or worse. <laughs> a lot of times it's for worse because I'm not out there because I look good. It's messy. Trust me, it's socially awkward. But guess what? I don't care because I'm with my tribe. And I want my kids and my family to remember a guy who was out there with them, not one who was just sitting on the sidelines. So, do we show up and do we share fully? I want to turn our attention to this prayer now. Because not only do we need to cultivate the tribe that God has given us, we need to cultivate habits of prayer. Cultivate a habit of Prayer. This is how we grow. So, uh, you know, we titled the series, When God's People Pray. And, and Pastor Jeff, last week he answered the question, some of the question of, what happens when God's people pray? Because that's one of the questions when I hear that title. Well, what happens when God's people pray? Well, Pastor Jeff answered some of that last week. You know, the other question that pops into my mind is, when do God's people pray? When do God's people pray? And And here's... The answer I, I found, look at this. 
This is the tribe in Acts chapter 1. Those present, listen, were Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James, along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus with his brothers. These are the people, they have absolutely nothing in common except the guy who called them. And look what they do. They all join together constantly in prayer. When do God's people pray? Constantly. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet and pray by yourself, right? So we're praying then. And then when we come out of of our private prayer lives, when we come out, we're praying throughout our day as we go through our responsibilities. And then get together with God's people and pray constantly. Wednesday night's an option, but it doesn't just stop at Wednesday night. It just starts there, right? It's your house church. And it's two or three people you're getting to know here on a Sunday. And it's the, the ministry that you're involved in. It's getting together constantly. And, you know, we hear constantly and we kind of shrug that off because, you know, there's Peter and John. <laughs> They're rock stars. Come on. Or, or we shrug that off and say constantly. I mean, I've got jobs and I've got responsibilities. I've got things, things to do. And, and, and yes, so I, w- I would say, do you mean we gather together physically and pray constantly all the time? No, obviously not. And yet I want to say this, God has more than we've been experiencing so far. God has more. See, where do we need to embrace the more that God has for us? Where have we been making excuses in our lives and saying, well, I can't show up to that. I just don't have time to get together with God's people here or here or here. I don't have time to add something else to my schedule. You know, we were talking about showing up and sharing fully in community. There's another set of authors that they, they've written about Christian community. And they said, they said in the studies they've done, most Christians love the idea of community until it infringes on their decision-making. Ooh, I'm guilty. <laughs> I, I love the idea of community, but don't make me change up my schedule. <laughs> don't make me give up something I want to do for something that would put me in the presence of God's people and pray. See, God is inviting us to change up our priorities, to have it cost something for us, to break out of the norm, to live with the expectation that we show up and share fully and God will move in might and in power in our prayers. To show up and share fully. And you think praying constantly, okay, but don't they run out of stuff to pray for? I mean, I do, don't you? Didn't they? Well, and that's where we can listen to a little bit of the symphony. And so I want to look at this prayer here and just pull out three things. Three things that I think we can learn from this prayer. Three prayer habits that we can revisit. And this is not a formula. This is not a step-by-step formula for prayer that we can think of this. If this is a symphony, this is the movements of the symphony. This is kind of the flow to see how some professionals do it. And these are some themes that we can revisit, some focuses in our prayer. And what we're going to see in these focuses, each one has a past and a present focus. That's something we can learn about too. All my life you have been faithful, right? He who's been faithful then will be faithful now. See, there's a past and a present to all of these. What's the first one? Identify the enemy. Look at this, right in the center of the prayer. See, this prayer didn't make sense to me. This prayer just sounded kind of random. And then I saw, started to see that God revealed slowly some of the themes that are coming out. And you know, the first theme is identify the enemy. Right in the center of the prayer, they quote Psalm 2. 
They quote this psalm that David wrote hundreds of centuries before they're praying this right now. And they say this, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So here's an enemy that David was talking about. And you know what? David wasn't even talking about, here's my enemy. David, David's saying, Lord, here's your enemy. You know how the only thing, here, here no, look at this first. And, and, and then they apply this scripture to the present moment. And they did this in community. It doesn't mean every scripture applies every single moment, but they did this in community and they affirmed, yes, this scripture applies here. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Look at that group that got together. Herod, Pilate, the gospel tells us those guys were enemies their whole life long up until one thing. Herod and Pilate, the Gentiles and the people of Israel. What do all those people have in common? Nothing. Until the name of Jesus came along. And then they suddenly found unity, except it was against the Lord's anointed. See, the name of Jesus is going to put us in one tribe or the other. We've got to ask ourselves, which tribe are we aligning with? Are we aligning with the tribe that is against the Lord and against his anointed one? Or are we aligning with the tribe that Jesus called to and we said yes? And so they identify here, not just their enemy, but the Lord's enemy. And this is something we can do and revisit again and again in prayer. And I want to come back to this idea of community. You know, I, I talked about why do, we, why do we hold back from community? Why is, why is Christian community so difficult? I mean, we've seen the pictures of guys holding up their hands up in the field and people gathering together to pray. We've got one on the PowerPoint, just people gathering. Why doesn't it always feel beautiful and like Instagram-y? It just feels awkward and weird sometimes. Sometimes it's because we're uncomfortable and we're not showing up and sharing fully. Do you know why else it happens? Because we have an enemy to that community. We don't think about this. We don't think about how high the stakes are to Christian community. Russell Moore wrote a beautiful book called The Storm-Tossed Family. And he talks about the, the, the fight that it is for family. He talks about how difficult family is, our individual uh, uh, family of origin and God's family, how difficult it is. And he says, do you know why it's so difficult? Because family is spiritual warfare. Because just like we have a God and, and Jesus invites us into the abundant life of the community he intends, he intends for us, a nation, a people, a race, he invites us into the abundant community he has for us. Just like we have that, we also have, has a, have a thief who has come to steal and kill and destroy the very community that God has called us to, the very tribe that God has called us to. And so sometimes this community is weird and messy and difficult because the enemy is at work and we need to pray, recognize that and pray against him. I, I missed this for so long in scripture. I don't know how I missed it, but you turn to the book of Ephesians and Paul, he's wrapping up his letter, right? He's coming to the end, chapter five, chapter six, you go there and he's just, he's just giving us day to day practical advice. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. This is how you live out married life together. And, and he talks to children and parents and this is how you do these relationships together and masters and servants. And this is how you're, you'll be masters and servants together. And it's also beautiful and so everyday and so domestic. It feels just so domestic. 
And then he's, he, he's going into the final point of his letter. And he's gonna, he, you just feel like he's going to wrap it up. It's just going to look like the cover to a Christmas card, right? Family gathered around like a fireplace and singing kumbaya, right? And he's just going to say, just be at peace together. And this is what he says right after this, right after all these domestic advice. This is what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. I was just trying to love my wife. Who said anything about the devil? <laughs> For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You mean that argument I had with my brother Asitra? It's not just uh, about us. Our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, do you know why we come together and we pray? Because we're putting on the armor of God together. Because this is warfare. This is a battle. That's, that's why we got together this past Wednesday night. And you know what the focus of our prayer was? The focus, it was light and revelation to darkness. Because this is a battle and there is darkness out there. And you know what we prayed about? Not just the darkness out there, the darkness in us. Because the world and the flesh and the devil are against us. Do we identify the enemy in our prayers? Or do we just stay domestic? I'm not down on the little things we pray for. Sometimes it's just our flesh and we got to pray to get that out of the way. But sometimes there's an active enemy against us that we need to identify because this is a battle. John Piper also says this. He says we treat prayer like, uh, we treat prayer like a domestic intercom. Like the thing you buzz if you had one of those big houses and you'd buzz to call the butler to bring more tea. He says we treat prayer like a domestic intercom when it's actually a wartime walkie-talkie. We treat prayer like a domestic intercom and ask for good weather or a parking spot. It's actually a wartime walkie-talkie that's, that's designed for us to call down firepower and air support. Are we calling down firepower and air support in our prayers? Well, what do we, how, do, how do we do that? What do we do? Well, that's habit number two and three. So habit number two, listening for God to speak. Are we revisiting that again and again in our prayers? Do you know they, look at this in the prayer they prayed. They didn't just quote Psalm. They didn't just say Psalm two says this. Look at what they say God did in the past. This is how they introduced that quote. You spoke, God, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Do you see what they're saying about Psalm chapter two? The second Psalm that David wrote, they're saying, David opened his mouth and God spoke. And then they bring it into today. Look at this. Now, God, you did this in the past. Do it again. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. You did this in the past, God. Do it again. Enable us to speak your word so that when I open my mouth, it's your words, God. It's the life and the revelation and the power of Jesus Christ and his gospel that comes out. God, speak through us. And the prayer gets answered, and they prayed. The place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
you get the idea. This is just on an instant. And we think we, we can kind of hear, speak the word of God boldly. And I read that and I, at first I thought, well, that's what, that's them going out. That's evangelism, right? They're going out to all the unbelieving peoples and they're speaking the word of God boldly. Praise him, right? Yes. And it says it so quick. I wonder, I wonder if they just started speaking the word of God boldly right that instant while they were still gathered together as a tribe. We're all followers of Jesus here. We're just, just speak your word boldly right here in our midst. Folks, do we remember that the gospel's for us? That we don't just need, this is why we come back here week after week after week after week after week. People outside the church don't get it. Why do you come back? You've heard this news. We've heard that Jesus died. We've heard that he rose again. There's nothing new, right? No, but we still need it. The gospel is for believers too. So are we listening for God to speak boldly through us? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, we meet one another as bringers of the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? We meet one another as bringers of the gospel. Is that how we come together in our tribe gatherings? You know what I saw happen in our prayer gatherings last week and the, the, the week a couple weeks ago when we gathered for 10 or more prayer gatherings? You know what I heard happen? God spoke through his people. I'll give you just one example. There was one uh, prayer. This was a week of confession and repentance, right? So that gets heavy. And there's people confessing stuff that just out in the open before people they just met. Like we haven't even hung out together and we're just confessing together. There's a heaviness to that. And some of that's an appropriate and healthy heaviness. But there was, there was some of those prayer times where that heaviness almost got too much. Almost came to an unhealthy level, I'll say. And do you know what God did through one of our sisters? She just opened her mouth and she just prayed a prayer. And she didn't add any words of her own. It was just scripture. She just said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And as there was this heaviness in the room, an inappropriate confession happening, and yet we could, we could wallow there at times, this heaviness just listed, lifted as she declared God's word over us. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Are we listening for God's word to speak? That's a habit we need to develop together. And finally, this calling on God's power. Calling on God's power. See, this is where they start and end the prayer. And this feels so random how they start the prayer because the rest of the prayer doesn't seem to have anything to do with us. They say, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Why are they bringing up Genesis 1 right now? Like, we've got other stuff going on. But listen, they're pointing back in the past to God's power. Is there anything more powerful than this? He made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. And he who was powerful then, they say, God, be powerful now. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, you were powerful then, be powerful now. And he answers, right? With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. With great power, and the prayer was answered. But it was also answered in another way. 
this prayer ties together two things that I never would have tied together. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. What's he going to do? What lame are going to be healed? What signs or wonders is he going to perform? Do you know when they asked God to heal? I, I can't help but think they were thinking of that lame man that was healed by the name of Jesus through, through the words of, uh, of Peter and John. And through the power of Jesus Christ, that lame man was healed. And as they asked for healings and wonders and signs, that's where my mind would have been. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. And what wonders and signs does he perform? And that there were no needy persons among them. And there's more wonders and signs to come, but let's not skip over this. That there were no needy people among them. See, we hear that and we compare ourselves to that community. We say, gosh, they were so giving and generous. I guess I should be more generous. God, God is so demanding. I've got to bring some more stuff. Well, maybe there's a healthy conviction that can come through the word of God, right? He works in all ways. And yet that's not what happened here. God didn't come to them and say, give more. Do you know what happened? God worked a miracle in their midst and a wonder. And so they were called together and he cultivated a tribe. And the wonder of it was generosity just flowed out of them. It was a wonder and a miracle of God. And so if you want to be more generous, don't kick the dust and say, try to muster it up. Pray for it. God, make me more generous. Work a miracle in my life because without you, I'm going to stay selfish. And I'm going to use my, the stuff and the gifts you've given only for me. And as we gather together in God's people, we, we pray for wonders and signs and miracles. See, sometimes we just stay, we just stay so general. We just ask God to bless us. God bless me. Bless us. Bless this. Bless this family. And I'm not knocking that. that yes, God blesses, but, but do we even recognize when it happens? Sometimes the word bless just loses its meaning. Signs and wonders and healings, that, I, that I'm going to recognize, I think. Now I'm looking for something different. And it doesn't mean necessarily that there's going to be physical healings all the time. It doesn't mean the signs and wonders are going to be what we think they are. But it's going to be miracles nonetheless. As God draws us together as a tribe and works wonders in our midst. And so are we calling on God's power today? Are we meeting each other as bringers of the gospel? This is how we cultivate corporate prayer. First of all, are we cultivating a tribe? Or are we just hanging out? Are we gathering together, receiving God's words as people? And is we, are we just listening or are we allowing it to soak into our souls together and build us up? Are we just getting older in Jesus? Are we allowing him to mature us together? Let's lean in, do the hard work, grow up, and pray. Would you join me? Lord God, we gather together as your people. And we confess that the only way there is a change in us is if you work it. God left ourselves... We could be much more at ease. 
keep into our own little circles, but you call us to a people. You call us to a tribe. So God, I pray that you would, in wisdom and in discernment, help us take steps today towards the tribe that you have called us to. I pray that you would help us come off the wall and come out onto the floor and take a risk to enter into greater community as your people. God, I pray that one of the ways you would do that would be as we gather together in prayer. Even right now in this moment on Wednesday night when some of your believers gather at other times throughout the week, God, I pray that you would have us take risks in prayer together that we might call upon you in your power, that we might remind uh, each other of what you have spoken in the past and ask you to speak again through your word and through each other. God, I pray that you would do wonders in our midst. God, enable us to speak boldly to those around us, boldly to those in our lives who do not know your name yet, who do not know the power of your name, enable us to speak boldly. God, as we gather together as your people, enable us to speak your name boldly, that whoever we meet, we might be bringers of the gospel. God, do a work in us so that that's how we meet together. And God, now we lift our praise and our worship to you one more time. And God, let these not be words that we just sing, but worship that we offer to the one who's worthy. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.